0: Tell Us How to Make It Better is partnering with The Readiness Lab, the home for podcasts, webinars, and training in the field of emergency and disaster services. I'm George Siegel, and this is the Tell Us How to Make It Better podcast. Every week, we introduce you to people who are working on real-world problems and providing actual solutions. Thank you for joining me on the Tell Us How to Make It Better podcast. The reason I started this podcast was to bring you interesting stories about people who have found a problem that exists in their town, in their city, somewhere in the world. And rather than just complain about it, they're trying to do something to make it better. All of the experts that I've interviewed for my podcast and in my documentary film, The Last House Standing, talk about the problems we face now and in the future from climate change. Well, my guest today is Alan J. Hesse. Alan believes that learning about any difficult or complex subject should be inspiring and fun, and he draws upon his belief to leverage his artistic talent and conservation background to spread awareness and inspire action to address global climate change. Alan, welcome.
1: Thank you, George. It's a pleasure to be on the show.
0: Yeah, I was looking at, uh, at what you're doing, and, I, and I, I think it's really impressive. What is the problem or issue that you've been working on that we can talk about today?
1: Well, as you mentioned, it's, you know, it's, it's climate change right now. That's my main focus. I started off with a conservation and I'm still a conservation biologist. Uh, but you, during my work with conservation, I, I started realizing how the, the impact of climate, uh, of global warming, um, increasingly, increasingly is affecting people like, you know, farmers, Uh, stakeholders whose very survival hinges on whether or not it's going to rain, where it's going to rain, how often it's going to rain, things like this. And so the the weather in any given location is so, so linked to the way that land is managed. And uh, so that ties into conservation, you know, automatically. So the issue is conservation. That is now my main focus. And it particularly, you know, drilling down, I would say conservation. I mean, uh, sorry, climate education in education, getting, helping to get everyone on that page, speaking the same language, understanding the terms, uh, because it's such a big subject. It's such a big, complex subject, and it's really easy to misunderstand things and uh, get confused. And that's why I started writing, you know, uh, drawing comic books about it, because I thought that's a great way to, to spread the messages and the, and the science in a, in a really, like, fun way, which is entertaining. And palatable, you know, bite-sized chunks of information.
0: You know, I don't think people really understand when they hear the term climate change, like you said, they're thinking um, that it's a simple thing. It's like, okay, wow, the climate's changing, so we have to stop that. But there are so many things that it affects, like you said, right down to where people might locate a wind farm or where people might decide to grow their crops or do certain things around the world that does it ever feel overwhelming? Like there's so many different things. How are we going to make yeah. a dent in this?
1: It does. It is it's massively overwhelming. And, and so you, you tend to, I still, I've seen reactions, you know, from outright denial uh, all the way through to, to just doom and gloom. And that, uh, just like, it's too late. We, we can't do anything. I've, you know, there are articles going around saying that individual action is, is pointless and then in the middle, there's that kind of head in the sand, uh, uh, you know, reaction where I just going to avoid the issue because I don't know what I'm going to do about it. Um, these are all very natural, you know, human reactions to something as complex as, as, as this. And so uh, it's really important to not put your head in the sand and, uh, you know, uh, and understand the, the situation. And uh, you know, and also know though that there is a lot. Of, there's a lot of positive action out there. There's a lot of optimism. Also, I'm very optimistic about it. Actually, well, that's and, nice. Uh, and, you're, it,
0: and, and you're trying to change it in a way. I guess you would say through the, the comics that you that you write these books. It yeah. does it give awareness? Does it point out certain situations? Tell us about what the the theme is and how that works.
1: Sure. You know, these are graphic novels actually, rather than comics, because they have a whole storyline. And uh, there is a series, The Adventures of Captain Polo. Captain Polo is the polar bear that is behind me in these images. Um, and it's, it's designed for kids, middle grade kids, but also many adults in, enjoy the, the books as well. And it's all about really not sugarcoating the facts. So I do a lot of research. Sometimes I do I research for a whole year before a given book. Um, and you know the research enables me to put out the facts as they are, you know, across the world, different aspects of climate change, global warming, how it affects people all around the world, people, environments, ecosystems, and all this, and um, but also the 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 things that are being done about it. People are adapting to uh, global warming all around the world in different ways, and people are also mitigating the effects of climate change Uh, you know and mitigation is one of the key terms like technical terms in in this in this area of knowledge and it means basically cutting down on the things that cause uh, climate change in the first place so all this goes into the books but it's done in a way which is entertaining because it's a story it's a fiction story which is full of adventure uh, full of humor there's geographical settings, you know, everywhere, which are very accurate. And, uh, and so you get caught up in the story and the characters. And along the way, I keep on plugging these bits of knowledge, you know, this fiction pieces of information in there. But in a way that's sort of blended with the fiction, blended with all the humor and the fun. So you don't really even see it coming. That's the idea.
0: Can you give us a, a specific example of something in one of the books that might be pointing out an issue and then telling people what they can do to make a difference with that?
1: Um, well, there, there, are many, there, are many, uh, there are many examples of that. Um, I think one of the scenes in the third book um, is where Captain Polo is in Europe. He is in London giving a talk to school kids. Uh, in a school. and the, the kids uh, you know can't believe that they're seeing a talking bear. right So there's a lot of opportunity for fun there. There's uh, kids in the back sniggering and, and making fun and all this. Uh, but the kids ask Captain Polo, you know what is what is this thing, climate change?" And so uh, Captain Polo tries to explain and gets interrupted con- constantly by kids asking more and more questions. Because that's what happens in the classroom. You start you start explaining stuff and kids will interrupt and ask more questions. But you know they, they end up asking him, well, what can I do? What, what can we do? And uh, And so there's an opportunity there for, for my character to lay out a couple of basic uh, actions that you can do in your house, you know, like watch your diet, you know reduce the way you use uh, reduce food waste, um, you know, try and go for more plant-based diets. Uh, you know, in your in your household uh, meal times, and, and and other things like use public transport more. You know, these are all basic, widely recognised uh, practical solutions for sustainability that are widely accepted. And uh, and you know, it's it's just a way of bringing those messages across in a, in a fun way, which is visual.
0: Yeah, I think people. Um... I interviewed a woman who has a book about 52 ways you can help combat climate change. And when I first saw that, I I have to, sometimes I can be a little cynical and I'm kind of rolling my eyes and go, that's not going to make a difference. But then I'm reading the book and I go, wait, I already do a lot of these things. And now I'm going to be aware of them. I'm throwing out this old printer. Well, why don't I find a way to recycle it where somebody might be able to use the parts for it or, you know, throwing out leftovers? Why are we buying so much food where we're having to throw out leftovers? But right. that's such an important thing, yet yeah. you really got to get a lot of people doing it to make a difference, don't you? Or is it really just going to yeah. start one person at a time?
1: Well, that's the thing. It's, it's this uh, continuum of behavior change, which is a whole other subject. Very, very fascinating. And it does start with individual actions. And you get to a point where, you know, because of peer pressure and because of people observing others, um, you get to a point where, which is kind of like a tipping point um where it becomes a new social norm and i can't i think the best example of that is the anti-smoking uh you know the anti-smoking campaign that started in the 70s and at at first it was it was considered you know only a few people are going to stop smoking it's never going to achieve anything but uh, we saw what happened right the the confluence of policy making with public opinion social marketing all of this influencing behavior and uh and it's been flipped completely in 30 years it's been flipped upside down now 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 smokers are are kind of like isolated um you know have to smoke in little glass bubbles uh looking crazy whereas in the 60s if you know it was cool to light up and and it's just completely flipped so it can happen through individual action but it does take a lot of uh, things going around it, including policy, including, uh, you know, uh, campaigning, uh, a lot of organization on a, on a massive scale.
0: Yeah, I thought uh, years ago I could solve the smoking problem by I, I thought all smokers should have to wear space helmets um, because <laughs> that way the smoke is contained in their own spot. But, but I think, you know, smoking to me is what like with a lot of things that people do that are bad for other people. The people that do it yeah. are so concerned about their rights. They don't care if their smoke is blowing in your face, they're just worried about it where they are. I live in, in uh, Tampa. And if you go over to St. Pete and walk along some of the restaurants along the coast, uh, the coast over there, or even down to Miami, there's a lot of people smoking cigars. And all of a sudden the whole street smells like a cigar because one guy is sitting there smoking a cigar. Yeah. That, yeah. That's probably one of the obstacles you face with this is people that just don't think beyond themselves.
1: Uh, yeah, I, well, for sure, because, you know, whenever you, uh, you see that a change needs to be made in your lifestyle, the first reaction is pushback. And I include myself. Uh, you know, we, it's difficult to change. And uh, even more so when someone comes along telling you you have to change. That's, that usually doesn't work. It, it has to come from a state of knowledge. It has to come from a state of attitude change. Where you have realized the issue, you've realized your role in that issue, and you've you've you know you've looked at your peers, you've seen other people doing stuff, and you've made the the attitude change to to you know hey maybe I can uh, I can get on this bandwagon, but um, it, it's very difficult to to make that change, but but it can happen with with the right circumstances.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm probably less optimistic than you, although I I think I'm probably rooting for the same outcome. In that We can't even get people to agree whether you should wear a mask or not wear a mask. We can't get people oh, to yeah. agree if something is good for everyone versus good for just a few people. Um, it seems like the world is so divided. Does that make your task harder or does it give people a safer space where it goes, okay, we can, we're not going to fight about this, but I think people do fight about climate change. How do you, how do you combat that? Mm-hmm
1: they do fight about, about these things. These are emotional issues. Uh, like I say, when you see a threat to your lifestyle, you know, the first reaction is to, is to defend, defend your, 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 your ground. You know, that, that is a very difficult thing to get past. And I think the solution does come with education gradually, which is why I'm targeting kids right now. Um, because you know, uh, a lot of mistakes that are being made right now and have been made by past generations. Maybe some of those mistakes can be avoided if the if the children if the children of today growing are growing up with a different mindset right from the outset. And a lot of those kids also influence their parents. You know, it's it's a well known phenomenon. Anyone who's a parent will know that their their kids coming home with with new ideas or you know actually quite powerful influence on on adults. Um, And so uh, to get past these divides, uh, you need to get past the the emotional involvement with it. And I think bringing information in, in a way that is easy to assimilate and also fun um, it's really key because you know when we learn something while having fun doing so, we will tend to remember that lesson. um and it kind of gets to us, you know it it kind of lands, and so it it's a slow process, and uh it will never be complete. It will never be one hundred percent, but I think every little bit will help, you know.
0: And a lot of times in this country, uh the United States, it takes a major disaster. To wake people up to how they may need to change. For example, my film, The Last House Standing, right. is about in Mexico Beach, Florida, where that whole community was wiped out. And then, okay, yeah. now we have to rebuild. Are we going to rebuild smarter? And you see that in different places that flood, that burn down, that have problems. But a lot of times yeah. we don't learn from that. And they end up building back maybe slightly better than before, but they're not building to survive the disaster that hit them. So, when you try to educate people, how do you get them beyond, I mean, okay, a disaster wakes them up, and then a few days later, the sun is out, and, you know, if they weren't badly damaged, they forget about it. How, how, how do you ingrain that in their minds, that they really need to change their thinking?
1: Yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult. It, it's all about, you know, making that relation between uh, the here and now, which may be, oh, my God, the, the hurricane arrived and, and destroyed my, my house and my neighborhood. That's the here and now. Uh, and you have to make that connection with the causes of these things, um, which is maybe not in the nearer, in the here and now. You know, the, the fact is that uh, global warming is causing ocean temperatures to, to rise at the surface. And this has a direct effect on the weather systems in the oceans. And one of those consequences is increased hurricanes, uh, increased frequency, and increased gravity of these major elements of, of weather, you know, major climate disasters. But you have to make that relationship between the, the personal the personal consequences of these events and their cause, and that's difficult. And that comes with a gradual, gradual sharing of, of targeted information. And again, if the information is a long scientific report no one's going to read it except the experts who know already. Yeah. So I'm all about pre- not preaching to the choir. I'm all about talking to those who are not already on board with all the science. And, uh, you know, I, I'm all about talking to the bus drivers, to the bank managers, to people in different sectors of society um, who all suffer the same consequences but uh, who don't have a lifelong interest or investment in environmental issues necessarily. You know, those, those are really the, the targets uh, because I think everyone, everyone needs to understand the basics of how our planet works, you know. After all, it is our home.
0: Yeah, I think if you wake that group up, I mean, that's one of the other things we stressed or pointed out in our, in our film is that if we're waiting for the people at the top to make decisions that will benefit all of us, We're going to be waiting forever. So what can we do now to put our fate and maybe a little more in our own hands? You know, having a safer home, choosing a better location to live, doing environmentally conscious things that might help with climate change. There's really it's got I think it starts more at the bottom. And I think that's what you're doing with your stuff.
1: You're right. It does start at the bottom. And also, you know, everybody's on board with this. the, The constituents, after all, their constituents and the decision makers in power, the politicians, want votes. If they're smart, they're going to do what their constituents want them to do. And so a, a very powerful action for all of this is to vote intelligently. You know, uh, do your homework, understand who the, who the candidates, what do they stand for, and, uh, and pressure them. You know, put pressure on your, on your local, uh, in Britain, they have, uh, you know, MPs spread around the land and you can put pressure, you have access, people have access to their MPs, uh, members of parliament. Um, and in the States, you have similar uh, arrangements at, at state level. And uh, so you're getting it bottom up. I completely agree with you, George, because, you know, it's, uh, I think, yeah, the decentralized governments like you guys have are really good for that. Because I know that many, many states, uh, governors uh, are really pushing for really, really cool climate action and very, very, very intelligent steps.
0: Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes it seems completely misguided and driven by uh, financial (laughs) interests. You know, it's not it's not always so clear cut. Um, But I read an article recently about just how places like New York City are going to have to start learning to deal with hurricanes more. And yeah. there's a lot of areas up there that are building the codes that are not even close to being able to handle major disasters. Yep. Yeah. So True. I think it's yeah. potentially yeah. very yeah. scary. So what advice do you have for people who have an idea like you and they want to do something, but for whatever reason, they're just not getting in there and trying it because you're actually doing something? What would you tell people that are thinking about doing something but aren't quite, aren't quite doing it?
1: Well, you know, I would say uh, a, a lot of a lot of importance. Too much importance is given to academic uh, qualifications and things like this. Um, it's uh, you. There are so many resources out there for anyone for free on the internet to get some basic knowledge about the subject. Um, it's very easy to do that now, and it's free. Um, you don't have to be a qualified scientist to start making, in, you know, impactful actions uh, for sustainability and for and for and to you know reduce climate change. We can all do something. And I think what the message I always give is: if you're good, you know, find out what you're good at, discover, you know, identify what it is you're good at uh, or passionate about, and see how you can make that count for the higher purpose. You know, so it, you might be an artist or a singer, a performer, um, you know, uh, you might be an author uh, and, you know, how can you use those skills and those interests in your life to channel that towards making a difference in some way? And I think a lot of, a lot of value is in actually talking about these, about these subjects uh, amongst your friends, amongst your neighbor, with your family, you know, things start by conversations and, uh, and humans are social creatures. We all take decisions based on emotions. And when we hear each other talk about things, uh, it kind of sparks ideas, creativity. So I think it's, um, don't, uh, the, basically the, the nutshell is don't uh, wait to become an expert in the, a subject like climate change. Um, find out what you can online. There are so many free resources. And then uh, spark conversations, start conversations, do what you do, try and make it count for that message, for that purpose, you know,
0: Yeah, that makes sense. uh, Now, that's great advice. Now, getting back to your book for just a second, your series, does it deal with the doom and gloom aspect of it at all? Or does it talk about from a positivity standpoint, how we can be better? Does, Does it show you what happens if we aren't better?
1: Uh, it, it well it makes fun of the it makes fun of the doom and gloom aspect it it kind of pours ridicule on the doom and gloom and i can get away with that because my character is a non-human he, he is a bear so he can make fun of humans who are doom and gloom humans if you see what i mean sure uh, and i have a scene in the third book where where captain polo is in cairo egypt and um nothing to do with the fact that it's Cairo or Egypt, but he meets a guy who is a Doom and Gloom caricature. And uh, I just had a lot of fun with that. It's just one page. I had a lot of fun with that scene because the Doom and Gloom character, you know, wails and laments about the rising sea levels and how those are gonna invade Cairo within a c- couple of years and that all the all the seawater is gonna flood into the freshwater. Which are real threats. Which are real threats. Um, but um, he his attitude is one of "there's nothing we can do." You know, it's too late. And uh, and Captain Polo tells him that's that's not true. That there's plenty of people already working on those problems around the world. And that instead of wailing about it, why don't you do something about it? And the guy doesn't doesn't understand. Continues to wail. And Captain Polo just. Wax him into the air and the guy flies over the roofs because you know as a bear is very strong so so that's that kind of the ridicule poured on the on the doom and gloom as in we don't have time for doom and gloom we don't we can't afford to go down that road um it's that's not the way to go so yeah i do bring it in uh in a fun way again the the format the fact that it's comics and cartoons enables me to put humor in there and make it all and make it all a bit fun you know
0: what do you think of movies that um that that are doom and gloom scare movies like twister san andreas uh, the day after tomorrow uh, uh,
1: i think they i think they had their time i mean they're purely entertainment it's entertaining uh but then you have movies like don't look up which just came out recently uh, which show a much, more, a much more intelligent kind of uh, argument.
0: You know? Did you like that movie? Uh,
1: I did. I did. I did like the movie. Um, although it is, it had, it had a lot of doom and gloom in it, because at the end, everyone dies. Um, but it, I think the perspective was one of, uh, this is what happens if, uh, if people don't listen to the science. Uh, this is what happens when people don't listen to, to the common sense um for that reason i thought it was powerful i don't think actually i don't think actually the word like is the right word it it, it was a powerful movie in that sense but it was also depressing
0: (laughs) well that movie to me was filled with actors that i love that that i think are some of the most talented people in the profession i just didn't feel it showcased their talents in a way that was good it's like for me to find any enjoyment in it i had to look at the underlying message which is greed and stupidity over safety which was what i yeah. took as the ultimate message um right. but i just i don't know i I, th- I thought it missed the mark but i i posted that on social media and, and some of my friends completely disagreed with me um <laughs> and that's the beauty of debate it's like yes. I, I, I don't get mad yes. if you disagree with me that's my opinion yeah. you have your opinion i think that should be fine
1: yeah. yeah i i thought leonardo dicaprio did a i i actually personally thought he did a great job with his character he uh, was character was the, the non-communicating scientist who is wrapped up in his data, um, has no idea how to communicate. Maybe a bit of a caricature there, of course, a bit of a stereotype, because there are plenty of scientists who are great communicators. But, you know, stereotypes, uh, they exist for a reason. Yeah, um, I thought they wasted actually,
0: Meryl Streep and that. I don't know. They, I mean, we can we can pick at the film, but you're right. The underlying I message agree. rung very true.
1: Yes, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's it's uh, it's a message which is which is not palatable, um, but important. You know, uh, I wonder how many people get the message though. That's the other thing, right? It could be wrapped up in in a way that that not everyone immediately identifies with or gets, and That's true. You might walk away saying, "Well, what was all that about?" You know, they they all died and. So it's risky. It's risky, but it's interesting to see these kind of shifts in perspective now. You know, the the typical mm, disaster movies, uh, which are kind of idealistic at the end of the day. Um, Maybe they've had their time. I don't know. I'm certainly no authority on any of that.
0: Hey, I grew up in California, and <laughs> after watching San Andreas, which I've probably seen 20 times, I don't ever want to go back there. I mean, I've been in a lot of big earthquakes. <laughs> that was a good like, movie,
1: though. Scared yeah. the crap out of me. Yeah, it was. I know. It was,
0: it was it entertaining. Was a
1: great movie. It, was. it was. It was certainly entertaining. Yeah. But, you know, entertainment and education, uh, that's, that's something I'm I, uh, very, very passionate about. I think they need to go together. Uh, entertainment and education can go together very quickly.
0: So what's the best way for people to get your series? How can they uh, become a follower and, and get your, get your books?
1: Oh, just the uh, best thing to do is go to my website. Um, AlanHersley.com, A-L-A-N-H-E-S-E.com. And uh, I'm actually putting up a shop on that website, not quite ready yet, but uh, people will be able to buy the books directly from me on the, on the website. But in the meantime, uh, there are, of course, digital and paperback on Amazon and other, other stores online. Uh, but you know, all the links are right now on my website. So that's probably a good place to go. People can sign up to the newsletters. They can join the Captain Polo's own fan club. He has his own fan club where he writes his own blogs. And you can download the first book in the series as an ebook for free. And there's other stuff to download as well. Free resources as well.
0: All right. Well, look for my name popping up on there soon because I'm going to check it out. Oh, for sure. yeah,
1: great. That would be great, George.
0: I love what yeah, you're doing. Sure. Alan, thank you so much for your time coming on today. And, and, and good luck with everything.
1: Thank you. Uh, good luck to you. I, your films, I mean, really important message you've got out and getting out there. So good luck with that. Thank, thank you. you for having me on the show.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for joining me on this week's Tell Us How to Make It Better podcast. If you enjoyed what you were listening to, it would be really helpful to us if you would not only like it and leave a nice review, but also share the link to the podcast with your friends so hopefully they can become listeners too. And if you have somebody in mind that you think might make an interesting guest, there is a contact form on our website, tellushowtomakeitbetter.com. You go to the website, fill out the contact form, let me know who they are, and I'll reach out to them and see if they'll be a right fit. Once again, thanks for your time and stopping by today. We'll see you next time.